0: Some of you said that you watched the debate, told me a few minutes ago, on GBN. Always reminds me of what a lady told me in West Virginia. As soon as I walked in the door, I was holding a meeting there, and she looked at me and she said, are you the same Jack Honeycutt that's on YouTube and on GBN? And I said, well, I hope there's not another one. She said, you look a lot younger on TV. I said, you ought to see me on the radio, I look real young. <laughs> what a pleasure it is to be here, to be assembled together with people that love God and of the like precious faith. It is a pleasure for me to be in your audience. I have preached in the uh, McMinnville area and over in Woodbury and Smithville. matter of fact, Wednesday night I'll be in Smithville on their semi-series. Can I tell you about Pete? a friend that several years ago had the opportunity to meet and talk to him about his soul. I said, Pete, we're having a gospel meeting, and we would be delighted to have you in our presence. Pete said, I don't believe that. He said, I I just don't believe the Bible. He says, as a matter of fact, how do you know the Bible is right? He said, that's just a group of men that came together. And he said, it's all about money. That's just the big scheme. And he said, if there be a hell, so be it. I'll go. Two years ago, Pete died. I just wonder about Pete's situation. Friends, you know, there there are a lot of agnostics. I want to do what I call today a... A case study. I want to do and look at four different groups of people, perhaps that uh, you would fit in one of these categories. I want you to consider with me, first of all, the fellow like Pete that says, I don't care. I'm not even concerned. Don't want anything to do with that. It reminds me of the agnostics, the skeptic, uh, perhaps the atheists of today, even the modernists that believe that it's all about them, that this life and this life only is all that man has to live for. And so I, I start this process of trying to show that there is one true God and I even quoted a scripture to him, Psalm 14, verse 1, and a man sitting there said, so why are you quoting that scripture? He so said, he doesn't believe that. But the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I said, Pete, I can prove to you the Bible is an inspired, the inerrant, the all-authoritative, sufficient word of God. And he said, how can you do that? Genesis 17 and verse number 12, God said, you take your boys and you circumcise them on the eighth day. Not the seventh day. Uh, Not the ninth day, but you do it on the eighth day. Have you ever wondered why God specifically said on the eighth day? I know why. Because it wasn't until 1930, there was a man named G. Helm, and he did, he was a scientist, and he started doing a study on baby chicks. And you know what he determined and what he found out? That... At the eighth day, vitamin K is the highest it's ever going to be. Now, what's important about that? It's important because on the eighth day, when you circumcise your boys as found in the Old Testament, and vitamin K is the highest, they will not bleed and uh, they will not clot. Now, why did it take till the 1900s to figure that out when God had already said that? Did you know the Bible says that the birds in the air and the uh, fish, as they go through the sea, they pass through the paths of the sea. Psalm 8, verse 8, God had already uh, said that, that there were paths in the sea. Why didn't we just look at the Bible and know that? It was about in the 1800s that Matthew Fontaine Murray discovered that. And by the way, did you know for a long time there were people that believed in the flat earth that you could go north, south, east, or west and you would literally go off the face of the earth? Did you know Isaiah 40 verse 22 said that He sitteth, talking about God, sitteth on the circle of the earth. Isn't that interesting? That again, it took us many, many years in the late 14, early 1500s to discover that. Friends, without a doubt, you can look at 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that was fulfilled to the minute detail in the New Testament. Did that happen by chance? Absolutely not, because the Bible is inspired. As a matter of fact, when you look and you analyze the Bible, it has been under scrutiny for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's still the bestseller. You know why? Because the Word of God is not going to pass away. Matthew 24, verse 35. Now, here is a group of people. I hope you're not in this group as we do a case study. And perhaps you would be in this one. These people believe that perhaps I'm saved. I don't really know whether I, I am or not, but I know the love of God. I know, and God is love, 1 John 4, eight, And I know the Bible says that God loves us, John 3.16. But have you ever analyzed Romans 11 verse 22? Behold the goodness, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Friends, when you look at the divine attributes and characteristics of God, surely you see the goodness and the love of God, but also you see the wrath of God and you see the severity of God. These folks that are in this category, they've got the mindset, perhaps, of universalism that all men are going to be saved because God is love. Mm-mm, wait just a minute. Do, do you understand that many are called and just a few chosen? Do you know that not everyone's going to heaven? Why, Jesus said, if ye enter into a straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. What is destruction? Hell. Many will go in there Did you, and I'm sure you do, did you know that most people will lose their soul? Oh, what a sad tragedy. And by the way, you look at verse 14, enter into a straight and narrow way, there will be just a few that find it. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of God shall endure forever. Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. I attended a funeral about three years ago. It was a cousin of mine. He and I were about the same age. And all the way through high school and, and then later on in his life, he, he lived a very immoral life. He got on drugs at a very early age. He had spent more time in jail than he did out of jail. As a matter of fact, he was a very rebellious young man. He was a man that would laugh at God. Never changed. I attended his funeral. And it was amazing to me what the preacher got up and said. I don't know anything about his life, and I don't understand a lot about uh, his personal life. I don't have to because I know that God saved him. Mm, God saved him. Here is the idea of these people. They think that they absolutely are going to be saved and they don't have to do a thing in order to be saved. Did you know the Bible talks about proving your salvation? Proving all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Peter said in 1 Peter four 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And you know, you could go on and on. Proverbs 28, verse 26. If a man thinketh in his heart, he is a fool. But he that walketh wisely shall be delivered. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You and I have the responsibility of opening this book up and to know what the book says. I want you to look at the next one. We're doing case studies. Here is a group of people that say, I'm saved, but they can't prove it either. They have faulty proof. They don't rely upon thus saith the Lord. Jeremiah 10.23, O Lord, we know that it's not within man to direct his own steps. So here is a group of people that believe in salvation. And by the way, salvation is the theme of the Bible. Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. We go on and on. Work your own salvation without fear, with fear and trembling. Uh Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John 1 29. I mean it goes on and on. The theme of the Bible is salvation. Now, I want to do a case study. You know why most people will not be saved? Even though they think they are, and I've had three debates. And I had a fellow come up to, to me, and he said, I don't care what this book says. I wouldn't take what I have in my heart for a stack of Bibles that go a mile in the sky. I can remember vividly the anger on his face. I said, sir, 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 I'm not doubting your sincerity. And I'm sure you believe that because most people in the world do believe They They believe that. You know what the Bible says about our conscience and about our feelings? Proverbs 28 verse 26, For a man that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he that walketh wisely shall be delivered your feelings. Now, let me tell you about a man in the Bible that relied on his feelings. Here was a man that was Saul of Tarsus. He, he said to Timothy that he was a blasphemer, an injurious man. He was a man that rebelled against God. He helped the coats of, that stone, uh, of those that stoned Stephen in Acts 7. Here was a man in Acts 8 1 and 2. Why? He was hailing men and women into prison. He was making havoc of the church. This same man uttered these words. And this is what you have to appreciate about the Bible the honesty of the Bible. God chose to record this. The Apostle Paul said, I have, in Acts 23, verse 1, I have lived in all good conscience before God into this present day. Saul, you don't really mean that, do you? Or Paul, you don't mean that. Don't you remember, don't you recall the life that you lived back when you were a blasphemer, when you were an injurious man? and yet you're saying that you lived in all good conscience before God in this present day, my friends, you cannot question the sincerity of any person. You don't know their heart. Acts 26 verse 9, Paul said before the Sanhedrin in giving his defense, he said, I thought, there's the first problem, I thought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Thinking, feelings. If you're relying on your feelings as separate from the Word of God, you'll never make it to heaven. Now, what we have to do is take our feelings because they're very important. And tonight I'm going to talk about distractions. I'm going to talk a little bit about our feelings, how important they are to us. But friends, don't put your soul, salvation, you're going to heaven predicated upon how you just feel about it or how you think about it. Not only that... This case study, I found out a lot of people believe because their parents, their families, religious. How many times have I sat across, my wife with me, sat across the table, talked to someone about the plan of salvation and what God says to do to go to heaven. For them to say, now listen, my mother, my grandmother believed that. And are you questioning their faith? No, that has nothing to do, the Bible has nothing to do with what they believe. My mother and dad were not members of the Lord's church. They got very close, but close is not good enough. And I understand that God is the eternal judge, but the fact of it is the Bible is right. And this is what the Bible says to be saved. And most people are relying or they're, they're thinking about what their parents believed, and no doubt they were religious. You're probably in the same situation, but you're not going to heaven based upon the faith of your parents. And I spoke at a youth rally not too long ago. I usually get to speak at one of them. I'm too hard, I guess. They won't ever invite me back. But i tell you one thing, friends. If we in the church, our young people, don't start establishing their own faith and quit trying to rely on the faith of their parents to get them to heaven, we're in trouble. That's the reason so many of our... Our young people are leaving the Lord's church, marrying outside the church, and joining denominations because they have not established their own faith. They have not got into the book, and they know what the book says. Don't rely upon uh, the religion and the faith of your parents. You know, I had this debate and uh, GBN was there. My son-in-law was the moderator. Right before I got up, he leaned over and he said, Don't worry about it. There's just two million people watching this. And I said, Gee, thanks. But as soon as the debate was over with, there was a man that came up on the stage and he looked at my opponent, Michael Brauner, as we were dis- had been discussing baptism. And uh, I was standing there beside him. And there was a man approached both of us and he said, Neither one of you are right. He said, neither one of you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was angry, so that's not the right time to talk to a man when he's angry. And by the way, I want to challenge you that when you speak to someone about religious things, that you need to remember Ephesians 4, verse number 15. Speak the truth in love. If you can't keep from getting mad or angry and upset when you start discussing the Bible, don't discuss it. Because our responsibility is to sow the seed, someone else will come by and water that seed, and God will give the increase. You see, I could have given this man could have given this man some scripture, like uh, John fourteen verse twenty six john fifteen verse twenty six John sixteen verse thirteen, when the Holy Spirit was a promise to the apostles, and it would guide them into all truth. It would bring to their remembrance all things that the Lord had taught them. You go to Acts 1, verse 8. He ascends back to the Father. He tells them to go in Jerusalem and they receive power from on high. Luke 24, 46 and 47. Power shall come upon them. Repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in my name throughout all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most part of the world. In Acts 2 verse 4, when these people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, these, these apostles, that was who this was promised to. It wasn't promised to you. The Holy Spirit measure was only given to the apostles. And yet folks say today, you've got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Prove all things so fast to that which is good. Then there are other folks that says, say, no, the Holy Spirit... And those people that in First Corinthians 12 that received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, that uh, you have to do that. You have to receive one of those gifts. I was knocking doors in Horsville, Kentucky, and my wife Becky was with me. Knocked on the door, saw a sign up there that says, We love Jesus. I said, Boy, this ought to be good. But they're not going to throw rocks at me or get angry at me. And I knocked on the door and I said, we're just going through the community and we're encouraging people to study their Bible and just wonder if you'd be interested in sitting down and discussing the Scriptures with me. He says, I want to ask you one question. Have you ever received a gift from God? Oh, yes, I've received a lot of gifts. No, he said, you don't understand. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? No, sir, I've never received that. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that those gifts were only given by the apostles laying their hands on them. And as a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, the same context, he says we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. I showed him that scripture in a very loving way. And he said, well, the perfect there is Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. James 1.25 Whosoever looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. Psalm 19 verse 7 The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. In 1 Corinthians 13 that which is perfect verse 10 is the word of God. When the word of God was completed inspiration stopped. You're not saved because you received the baptismal measure of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit, you're saved because of the information that the Holy Spirit had given. Holy men of God spake as they were moved or borne along by the Holy Spirit, Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. Someone else said, well, you don't understand, I pray all the time. I never, ever discourage anyone from praying. I was at Cookville Hospital about a year and a half ago, I had a stroke right before I was going going to India. And uh, when I was in the hospital, a fellow knocked on the door and he was a chaplain. Now, I've been with some brethren when a chaplain come in and, man, it just tears them up and they get angry and they say things to that chaplain. And so we're talking and uh, he said, as we were conversing back and forth, talking about some religious things, he said, do you mind if I pray? I was in a in the hospital room with a man and the chaplain said, You mind if I pray? He said, Well, you pray, it's not going to get up above the ceiling. Let me tell you something, friends. Again, we've got to be kind and considerate. I said, sir, if you want to pray, I don't that's up to you. He prayed, but I did explain this to him. Because in the prayer, he prayed that because of the Holy Spirit, we know that we're saved, and we prayed that the Holy Spirit would come upon this man. I couldn't let it go when we got through. I said, sir, do you understand that prayer is for a Christian? And he even said this. He said, if this man is a sinner... God sent His Spirit upon him to save him. The Holy Spirit never ascended upon an individual to save that individual. Not at all. And by the way, prayer is one of the spiritual benefits of being in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Galatians 3, I did point this out to him. Verse 26 says, For we're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. Only way you can get into Christ, my friends, is by obedience to the gospel and being baptized into Christ. But yet, prayer is not for the alien sinner, but it's for the Christian, a spiritual benefit. 1 Peter 3.12 The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, but His face is against those that do evil. Confess your faults one to another the effectual fervent prayer. Of a righteous man availeth much. And we could go on and on and on where people are giving faulty proof. They think they're saved, but they cannot prove it from the Scripture. Now, this is the point that I really wanted to talk about. He had to get into these in order to cover this. And I try, when I try to preach, I'm like B.J. Clark. When I preach, brethren, it starts behind me and it goes forward. And when I try to preach, I don't try to just center upon uh, just a few individuals. I try to say something that will help all of us. How many times have I heard folks say in the church, Boy, I hope I go to heaven. I heard a fellow say one time to me, he said, we were talking about going to heaven, he said, I just hope I can get to the basement. Friends, when you get to heaven, John 14, 1-3, that beautiful mansion, you're not going to get to the basement. Heaven is prepared for the redeemed. Now, in the consideration of facts and myths, did you know the Word of God assures us? Matter of fact, we just had in in our hearing the reading of... Uh, what Paul told Timothy. The things that thou hast heard or learned, continue in them and be assured. Brethren, there is confidence. There is assurance in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is the same book that's going to judge us in the last day, John twelve forty eight. 48. One of the things that I probably misunderstood among many things, when I started preaching and uh, learning some things. I used to say that a person better be careful when he says, I know I'm going to heaven, I'm saved, because someone hears that, they're going to think you're arrogant, they're going to think you're boastful and condescending. But friends, listen to me. There is a difference between being arrogant... And having that confidence and that assurance. First John five thirteen. John said, "These things I write unto you that you may know." The word "know" there is a Greek word "gnosko," and it's not wish, it's not hope, but it is this assurance based on evidence. Now, watch this. First John one. Every Christian they ought to know these passages. Beautiful passages like the rest of the Bible is. In verse 6 of 1 John 1, he deals with the fact that we're in sin, that we're sinners. But, verse 7, but there's a transitional thought. If, If we, Christians, walk, verb, in the light, John 8:12 said Jesus is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Friends, there can be no fellowship. There cannot be fellowship if one is walking out of the light. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other and also fellowship with God. Now watch this. And he cleanses us. Did you know the verb form of, or the Greek form of that verb is that He continues to cleanse us. One of the first words I learned in Greek when I was in school is that word, Continues to cleanse me. Not just a one-time cleansing. He continues to cleanse me if I walk in the light as He is in the light. Verse 8 says that we, if we say that we have no sin, we are a liar and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 is the reason that I know that I'm saved and going to heaven. Listen to this. If we confess our faults, He is faithful and just to forgive us of a few of our sins. He doesn't say that. He will con- if we confess Jesus Christ, He will forgive us of a lot of our sins. Why, well, Hebrews 10 17, God says their sins, well, I remember no more. If we walk in the light, friends, we are saved. We're Christians. Now, are you saying once saved, always saved? No, I've had to discuss that a few times. Why, absolutely not. I can just give you a few passages concerning that. First Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore to, to him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. The warning is to the Christians. You cannot fall from a position that you have never attained. Galatians 5 and verse 4, You have fallen from grace. Ephesians 5 in verse number 4. You have fallen. Those people that were going back under Judaism, they had fallen from grace. James 5 in verse 19 and 20. If one sins, then he talks about how that we ought to convert him from the era of his way. Aren't you glad that you're a Christian? Are you a perfect Christian? Do we make mistakes? Oh, absolutely. Did God know that? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous. No, not one. But friends, let me tell you something. When we obey the Gospel, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we don't sit down on the baptistry steps, or we're not supposed to. We start growing as a babe, and we keep maturing and developing as a child of God. You know why we... Uh, become a strong and mature Christian because of our love for Almighty God. Someone says that's based on works. When I had the debate all three of them, I knew that was coming. And yet John 5, and 29 said that we do not marvel at this for all that in grace shall come forth they that have done good and those that have done evil. How did you do good? By your love for God. No, we're not saved by works, not uh, meritorious works, not works of Judaism, not the works of the flesh. We're saved by works of obedience. only way you can get to heaven is by your faith and by obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I know I'm saved? Yes. Am I arrogant? You see, never be arrogant. But our salvation, our faith, is predicated upon our relationship with our Father. And as His child, we continue to love Him. Well, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Remember that scripture? So when we love the Lord and we keep His will, we maintain that relationship. Someone says, What if you commit uh, sins? What if you commit public sin? You bring shame, reproach you're not walking in the light. Until you repent of that, you'll lose your soul. But friends, in the church, we have to avoid extremism. Man, it's killing us. Our brotherhood is so divided because we've got some on the right that go way too far in binding laws. And we've got many over in the left that are liberal. They're trying to go the way that of entertainment in their worship. But let me tell you about God's people, those that are saved. We're walking in the light and we love the Lord and we're trying to serve Him as our Father and bring glory and honor. Paul said in 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one: whether I eat or I drink, I do all to the glory of God. That ought to be the mind of a Christian. If you're here today in this assembly, perhaps one of these four in these case studies would affect you. I know they have to. Maybe you're like the first one, care less, you're agnostic. Boy, I hope and pray that you would uh, study and meditate, that you would develop a faith. Number two, those uh, that perhaps are saved, but they don't know how they got saved. Then number three, those that think they're saved and they're relying upon a faulty proof. Then number four, those of us that are Christians. Because of our love and humility before Almighty God, we're trying to walk in the light. And one day we can hear these words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. One of my favorite passages, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Thanks be to God for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The victory is only in Jesus. If you're not in Jesus today, would you come by faith, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, and be baptized to have your sins washed away? Quit arguing about it. I've told folks all over the world, quit arguing about what the Bible says. It's not baptism itself that saves us. It's the blood of Jesus. because And we have done what God told us to do. It's a faith issue. If you're not going to be baptized to have your sins washed away through His blood, then you don't believe God because that's what God said to do. been unfaithful. Would you come? If you need to come back home. While together we stand as we sing.